guys, and welcome to episode number 49 of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker. With me today, co-host Jess, as always. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Ben. Great to be here. Got a very special guest on the podcast today. Been itching to get this guy on the podcast, but we probably interviewed a few too many photographers in the early days. But I think we're, we're due for a, a world-class photographer, and his name is Ash Hughes. He's based in Torquay, and he joins us today. Welcome, Ash. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and love what you're doing. Great to have you. I've, I've been a fan of your photography for a couple of years now. And I remember coming down from Melbourne when I lived in the city for weekends and I'd sort of scout around on hashtags and other things. And I saw some of your photography back then. And I reckon you were sub sort of 1,000, 1,500 followers back then. This is probably four or five years ago. And I've watched your growth since and you've climbed up to about 12,000 followers on Instagram. How did you get there? Uh, look, um, a lot of my growth sort of come probably in that time a couple of years ago. I, I probably used it a lot more than I do nowadays in terms of uh, concentrating on that that interaction and, and got to a point where I, I overused it and I just was spending far too much time and, and commenting on um, everything and anything, um, trying to, to chase those followers. And you sort of get to a point where you just sort of step back and you, you question why you're doing it. I've, I've got my little business on the side now with, with photography and it, it's certainly a, a great marketing tool to use social media um, in a sense, but you sort of got to have that balance as well. You don't want to be spending time and, and all your time chasing likes and follows and all that sort of thing, because there's just numbers at the end of the day. Uh, and yeah. yeah, the exposure is fantastic and, and that audience is fantastic. Yeah, you, you just got to have that right balance. Yeah, that is true. It's a testament to uh, your following as well and the quality of your photography as well like you don't get 12,000 followers you know just snapping away here and there so congratulations on that but we'll jump through our icebreaker segment to begin with I'll get you to kick that off Jess so just seven short questions to get to know you a little bit better and we'll try and keep it rapid fire so question number one Jess Uh, where were you born so I'm a Barrett boy born and bred so I am 37 now I think um so (laughs) It was. I've been down this way for probably nine years now. Um, up until that, I was went to uni in Ballarat, and um, yeah, spent spent that time of my life in, in there, and and before making a move down this way. Nice. And another fellow Ballaratian. Yeah, another. So Craig Crossway was born and bred in Ballarat, and there yourself. There must be something about landscape photography. It's just the hot spot. You sort of there's only so much you can do up there. Like I'm 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 not against bar in any way, shape, or form. I certainly think it's got better as a city since I've left. Um, yeah, they, they do their events and culture really well up that way. But yeah, it, you sort of from a landscape point of view, you, you're always coming down the coast when you're growing up as a kid, and mm. and and you, that excitement of coming down and seeing the surf or going to Bells or driving along the Great Ocean Road when I first got my license. It was such a such a thrill and to think that we can sort of do that every day now um 10 minutes away is um it's pinch yourself type thing yeah that is true and half of Ballarat is in Torquay during summer so it's no surprises there that you fell in love with the coast but uh we'll talk more about your passion for the coast a little bit later on it's a lot different to Lake Wendoree anyway so question number two (laughs) uh your favorite activity to zone out beyond photography and beyond I know you run a small business as well, which we'll talk about, but something to... It's probably where my photography started. It was was my chance to to zone out from the kids, Um, or the kid at the time. I've got two now, but um, it was my my me time to get away and see things. But look, if if you're going past photography, I love my sport, any sport, basically. I'll watch two flies run up a wall um, if we can make a competition (laughs) out of it. Um, But no, I love that. It's just, it's, it's... it just it's consuming you're sort of living in that in that moment there of, of watching it as an entertainment and and sort of forgetting about everything else for for that time so you would have been loving the olympics in tokyo just recently yeah going into it is a bit strange thinking how's this going to work with our crowds but yeah. i didn't want it to end at the end in, in the yeah. end it was um it was it was thrilling and to see australia do so well and and some yeah. of the stories of individuals and 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 the challenges they're faced to get there is 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 fascinating and um, it, it was run really well and, and just it was fabulous to to sort of see it get off without without any hitches in the end. Yeah, it was fantastic. And a few new sports as well, like skating and surfing and obviously trying to make yeah. the Olympics relevant still. But 
they got rid of yeah, a few old traditionals yeah. like wrestling and other sports. But yeah, it's good to see those sports, which made for a pretty yeah. good TV watching anyway. Exactly. And it helped that it was in our time zone this time or close enough so we could actually see a lot yeah. of that. That's true as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question number three, Jess. Um, are you a full time or part time creative? So I am part time. I would hope to go full time one day, but um, at the moment I am an accountant. So sort of a strange balance between the two, but um, sort of got my creativity on one side and then counting numbers on the other. Yeah, we'll talk about that because I know it's a big thing for creative people to have. I think it was Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, that book. Have you read that? No, I've heard he about it. He talks a lot about having a disciplined day today and just doing something that's, you know, not all that exciting, but still challenging and a kind of routine and it kind of helps with your creativity. So I'm keen to see how that affects your creativity and your inspiration outside of work. Uh, question number four, are you a camper or glamper? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit <laughs> of both. It's, I love camping and I guess a lot of the landscape side of things puts you in, in those landscapes and that situation. I've got a, a van set up that I can sleep in and cook out of and um, survive out of basically. But um, And we're currently in the process of planning a big trip for all of 2023 around Australia. So oh, nice. um, I would say probably camping more. So getting away and off grid is is more my style. Yeah. Um, but there are times when glamping is certainly uh, a healthy thing as well. Yeah, that is true when you need a bit of pampering. And do you throw in the tripod when you go camping or? For sure. Yeah. It, it takes up most of the most of the luggage spaces, my camera gear. <laughs> yeah. Two or three tripods, a couple of cameras and... I don't know. My, my list of gear continues to grow. This morning, actually, I bought a, I bought a Ronan um, gimbal. So oh, nice. just adding, adding more weight to um, <laughs> spots that I can't put it. I don't have anywhere to put it anymore. So, have you got room for the kids though? Yeah, they they sort of find their way in there and and they sort of tuck <laughs> in. And as long as they can't spill their drinks and anything on any of my gear, it's usually the the, the main <laughs> concern for me. Yeah, it's good to know the priorities. And uh, question number five, Jess. Do you have a favourite favorite TV series? I'm not I'm not huge on TV, apart from sport, apart from live sport, but yeah. I like some of the classic type things like your Breaking Bads. Um, yeah. th there's a few that I'll sit down and watch, like Animal Kingdom at the moment, sort of got into over the years. Yellowstone, I'm hanging out for the new season, that to come out with Kevin Costner. That's a completely yeah. weird cowboys and Indians type show, but it's um, <laughs> it's fascinating. But no, I don't sit down and watch TV um, much at all, other than, as I said, other than sport on the weekends. I, I'd rather sit down and watch uh, YouTube or learn something else around photography or editing or, or video or something like that. So um, yeah. that's more my sort of way of switching off in a night and or maybe just editing photos from some of my landscapes. So. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you have time for sitting around watching Netflix with the amount of stuff you have going on? Uh, it can be a challenge. You sort of you want to make priorities for everything and you want to continue to, to, to grow the business because I'm still in that, that growth phase, I would say, Yeah. Um, especially from the wedding side of things. So, um, But, yeah, between nine to five at work and then trying to find time for the kids and then sunsets and sunrises at this time of the year aren't great for kids eating breakfast or dinner. Yeah. And so <laughs> just waiting for the days to get a bit longer so I can spread my time a bit further. Yeah. Uh, very good. I can't talk about that more too a little bit later on. But where was the first place in talk here you go for a coffee? Not a coffee drinker. So oh, I, there we I, go. I no, I have to live through my have to live through my wife in that one. Um, <laughs> she recommends she recommends Maple, the new Maple Canadian oh, Bakery. The donuts there are fantastic. Not that I should be eating them too many times, but um, <laughs> the no. So I'm not I'm not a coffee drinker. We drove past the Maple Bakery the other day and just said there was no pies or pasties. So I said. We probably won't go there. No. There's plenty of sweets. There's a there's a lot yeah. of sweets to get. There. It's amazing. Like the I've just written them off. Like you need to go there. I do like my donuts, so I'll get in there. Yeah. Question number seven, Jess. Have you been busy during COVID or have, has it been really quiet for you? Yeah, so look, I could I could probably talk about this for a little bit and I might actually. It's um for me, it's been strange. Like the the lockdown started what? 16 months ago in March um, and it took a little time for people to find their feet um, with what they were doing. So from a, from a landscape photographic sense, I didn't have many sales at the time, but then the big lockdown hit in 
uh, the second half of the year, my landscape sales went absolutely crazy and like I couldn't keep up with them. So I think I'll put it down to people cleaning up their houses, knowing they're going to be there for a while and, and re sort of decorating their house once they realised their income was semi-safe and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it was fantastic. So, uh, well, fantastic in a, in a sense for my business. I can't say fantastic from a, um, a situation with what's going on in the world, but the the wedding side of it, it's kind of the same. Like grateful is not the right word to use, but I was at a stage where the wedding season that's gone last summer was the first season I was out by myself. So I'd had three weddings the year before, which I'd basically throwing the feelers out to anyone that wanted a, a free photographer so I could build my portfolio. And the, during the lockdowns and that of last year, that was my time where I was supposed to be booking weddings based on what my portfolio was telling people. So I didn't really know where I stood. Come to Christmas last year and we'd had so many uh, weddings that were locked out and couldn't go ahead. It meant this huge rush on weddings for the second half of the season after New Year's. So the established photographers, wedding photographers who are out there had all these clashes. So the overflow come through to me in, in a lot of cases. So I went from having maybe six or seven weddings to having 22, I think, by oh, the end wow. of the season. Oh so it's kind of, it's put me up um, a few levels from where I was expecting to be. Mm. And then going into the new season, well, I was supposed to kick off this weekend. We've, we've had a, a postponement at Werribee Mansion uh, for the weekend coming, but I think I've got 32 bookings going into wow. the new season. So, yeah, it is, it, it's, it's really good. And, and like, it, it's exciting that the people are wanting to book me based on, um, based on my work now, rather than just that, that, uh, that overflow. And I'm sure they have to like something in it for, um, for them to book me anyway, but it's, um, it's just a bit nerve wracking now going forward. Cause this will be sort of the first time that COVID's, caught up to me in a little way uh, if yeah. we do sort of have this pro prolonged lockdown down now so yeah it, it's sort of a bit a big unknown at the moment and sort of being in a few a few Facebook groups and that with other photographers and that in, in the industry uh, it, it's it's sort of on a knife's edge as to where it'll go from here it's given me a bit of a boost in in ways that I probably didn't want it to in the end but yeah it's 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 been a bit weird to, to be honest I think, yeah, the case for a lot of people. So, well, that was the end of our seven-question icebreaker segment anyway, but we'll stick on that topic for a second because it's just crazy to hear that you got 32 weddings. So congrats on your progress there. And so 32 mm -hmm. weddings, basically a goodbye weekends plus an accountant full-time. Is it your own business as an accountant? No, no, no. So I'm at a company accountant. So um, they're really flexible and, and like I, I still work full time, but I work it over nine day fortnights and everything. And um, so, yeah, it, weddings, um, wedding season's full on. Like I've only done one really, one solid one um, to date and like next season's going to be even bigger. So it's just time management because you still want to have fun with your kids and that on the weekends, you still want to get out and about. And I still want to be taking landscape photos because it's still that, um, that mental escape for me to enjoy yeah. what what's around us as well. So it's just late nights. You, you manage your time because just to give a bit of an idea, from a wedding point of view, if I've got a, let's say I've got an eight-hour wedding um, on a Saturday afternoon, mm -hmm. there will be an element of, a uh, what do we call it, a sneak peek. So uh, I offer within the first 48 hours, I'll have a selection of photos back to the couple uh, after the wedding so they can, they can sort of relive in, a dozen photos and then the rest of the editing sort of takes place and for a for an eight hour wedding I would my goal is to get it to about eight hours of editing so at the moment it's not that it's probably double that so for an eight hour wedding I'm doing 16 hours of editing oh wow um, but my prices are sort of based on eight hour wedding eight hour editing so right don't outsource your editing never thought about that of of I've semi-looked into it. It's not something I'm comfortable doing at the moment. I know yeah. some of the big guys in, in Geelong even do it as well, but yeah. I would need to look into it a lot more as to how how close they can match um, yeah. editing styles and all that sort of thing. So look, it might be it might be the next step. So if I continue working full-time as the accountant, as well as uh, this wedding business growing, that might be my way of getting a, a couple hours back on my side as well. So, yeah. Because uh, the problem is, if 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 I don't finish a wedding, 
the next wedding happens and all of a sudden you're running with two weddings and then all of yeah. a sudden there's three weddings. You just got this this um, this overrun or yeah, you just feel consumed. So it's um, it's just about time management and I feel like I'm a pretty chilled out cruisy type person. So um, it's just planning your time. So do you have, do you book just one wedding a week or like how do you fit it in? No, so like Friday weddings are becoming more popular. So they're, I'd be happy to do a Friday, Saturday wedding, providing they're both local. Um, yep. If I had to travel for one and, and got home late from the Friday or had to travel somewhere early Saturday morning, um, like I've got a, a couple of Phillip Island, King Lake. So there's somewhere I travel. If I'm doing that sort of thing, I wouldn't book one the day before or day after because one, it's just too taxing on me because I'm traveling a few hours, then doing a full day shooting and then um, traveling back. Um, but, and then it becomes unfair on the couple if I'm not um, fully in, in, in the right mindset and shape to be taking photos. So, um, yeah. but no, two, two sort of where I'm at. Melbourne Cup Week uh, is going to be busy. I've got five over the course of seven days, I think oh, it is, God. with the public <laughs> thrown in. So, yeah, that's going to be a bit of a juggle. But, um, uh, look, it, it, it's funny. It, it's something that I delayed. Look, I haven't been in photography world that like, that long, but it's something I put off for probably a couple of seasons because of the pressure that I put on myself to take photos of a wedding. But once you sort of get your head around things and understand how it all works, you trust your gear you're not, it's just good fun. Like everyone goes to a wedding to have good fun. They're there for a good time. Everyone's dressed up to the hill. You're at an awesome venue. The venues that, that I that would be able to see in any other capacity um, are fabulous. You're usually getting fed as well, having a good <laughs> good old meal. And yeah, they're just good fun. You just you just have a great time. You're on cloud nine by the time it finishes. You haven't had any bridezillas just yet or crazy mother-in-laws? No, I, I kind of hope. Fingers crossed that my my attitude towards the way I go about things attracts that type of person as oh, well. Yep. So you um, never end up it, with that type of client. Well, I don't know that they're out there somewhere, and, and <laughs> I just hope I just hope that I can sort of uh, reel them in, or, or I'm I'm professional enough to to stop something before it gets to that stage. So yeah, it's yeah. funny, like just, just talking about that, like. From a from going back to Instagram, from a marketing point of view, I, I find it from a free marketing tool, it's amazing. But in terms of weddings, what you put out there, um, what what you post is usually the type of wedding that you'll attract back from an inquiry point of view. So uh, I'm, I'm I try and have that element of outdoorsy and um, just the the nice winery, the nice beach, the nice. Yep. Something that sort of ties into my landscape photography, which is my background anyway. So, and usually that's that's the type of uh, couple that I'll attract. I was going to say, looking at your landscape photos compared to your wedding photos, they are very similar. Is it a, even the same filter? Or do you uh, use filters no, or is it more editing? No. So I've got, um, I've got my own presets that I set up through Lightroom and yeah. the, the, it's probably the skin tones are the hardest part because... Mm. Uh, oranges when you're editing oranges and skin tones um, can make a person look really funny really quickly mm. so you've, you've got to concentrate on that and, and and keep everything around that part normal so I've got a set of presets that I use in Lightroom to edit um, that is a different set that I'll use for my landscapes as well so I saw some of your wedding photography we're getting married in October and just as December, I should say. The baby's coming in October. <laughs> Getting confused. It's uh, Jess has proven to be quite the bridezilla really? so far. But <laughs> I'm joking. Where are you, where are you guys getting married? Uh, Belbray Harvest. Oh, nice. Shot out there yeah. before? No, I've got a couple coming up there yeah. in November, and I've got one next door in a private property as well. So looking forward to it. Oh, nice. Yeah, we can't wait yeah. for our date, and oh, fingers crossed it goes it goes ahead. But we've covered a bit of your photography there. We'll come back to it at the end of the pod, but just going back to your origins as a creative, is photography something you, you studied at, at high school and then university or it sounds like you studied accounting or business at, at uni? Was it something you were always interested in as a kid or has it no, come about no. as an adult? It's it's certainly not something. It's definitely, definitely an adult. It's not something I had as a kid. I never studied it through high school. We did offer it and had the old film and all that um, at 
Damascus in Ballarat, yeah. um, but I never did that. A few of my mates did, and, and sort of look back now, and I haven't, I, I don't have any interest in film at the moment, uh, or um, at all, because I was never really um, interested in it back then. But I kind of have this urge to find out a little bit more, other than just for an understanding of it, really, um, not to shoot in or anything like that. But no, my my interest, I think, um, I sort of thought about this a few times is. Uh, before kids, we used to travel a lot. We used to go, we used to go overseas quite a bit, and we'd go five, six-week um, holidays uh, every year, just trying to get to some some of the exotic places around the world. So I always had a, a camera that was a little bit better than basic. Um, but then when when my our daughter came along, so she's five and a half now, we we went on a trip to the states uh, four years ago when she was eighteen months. So it we we got off the plane we had a hire car went straight to walmart where i'd done click and collect and we did this road trip of camping so i had all the walmart camp gear just a tent all the cooking gear and we went through national parks camping through them with an 18 month old um and it was oh, wow. absolutely stunning to go through california through nevada like death valley yosemite uh and up into utah to some of their big desert parks zion and bryce and uh, Capital Reef and Moab, so it's got arches and Canyonlands and all those places, Monument Valley. Um, and it's, it was like, it's a photographer's dream. And you sort of, I look back at that time and I, I never really had the gear that I wish I had now. I never really had the understanding of editing. I never really had the understanding of file management, which is probably my biggest regret because I could still look back on that if I had the raw photos and files from those trips. But it was really the trip that that I come back from, and at the time I was I was getting some coaching with my HR manager at work, and I was also in a part of a leadership course which really focused on strengths, um, and my strengths were beauty and excellence, which is not really accustomed to an accountant. Um, no, maybe kidding. the excellence you could tie back, but the beauty part is not really what you would associate with an accountant. So it just was. Um, a collection of that sort of thing. And then I, I just felt a little bit lost as a dad at the time. It was always, the time was taken up by by Eva, our, our daughter. And through that coaching and that, it was sort of that directive that go out and do something you enjoy. And I'd hurt my back um, a month after she was born and never, like I spent thousands trying to get that right. So I, I couldn't get back out in the water like I wanted to do. And picking up a camera and, and doing that was sort of my next best thing. So um it's just grown from there and after that american trip um i bought a drone i think in it was like i bought as a christmas present for myself and then made a pack for 2018 that i would post the photo every day to instagram which i really didn't use up until that point to keep myself doing that me time so getting out and about exploring the area and things just grew from there like people started liking and people started buying photos i won a couple of competitions and which sort of got the wife on board because we got a night at the pole house down at Fairhaven. And yeah, so it's just, wow. uh, it's just, you sort of getting recognition, not that you ever strive for that, but yeah, you sort of understanding that you're doing something okay. So, and then from there, it's just, it's just been uh, never ending. It's, it's to think back, what is it? Four years now. Like I think I was talking to my wife this morning, four years ago, we we're in America on that trip that I talked about. So um so it's probably three and a half years since I really hit photography hard and, and decided that's what I wanted to do. And now the wedding's sort of happening under my belt as well. It's it's probably something that once was a pipe dream um, or a dream that I never really knew I, I, I wanted to something that potentially I could make a full-time career out of. So That's so good to hear. I mean, three and a half years. I would have thought, you know, you've been taking photos since the age of 13 or something back with the Pentax uh -huh. camera or you've ever only been at it for three and a half years. So said before your age 37, so about 33, 34 is when you really started to hit your straps. Because I think it's a big question with a lot of our listeners, you know, is it too late or I'm not young enough any anymore? Um, you know, all those different questions that go through their mind, but it's proof in the pudding. You've done it in three and a half years and got to this level where you are today. Look, it's all it's all about um, just getting out there and using your gear, understanding your gear. The more you do something, uh, like you talk like sport, I'll use an analogy. You're in form when you when you're playing sport. 
it's the same with a photographer and it sounds silly, but you, the more you're out there doing it, the, the, the better your eye becomes to spot something. Like at the moment when we're sort of in and out of lockdowns, like a, a roller coaster, I'm not heading out to take them landscape shots often at all. So the first time I'll go out after a break, I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing for a portion of it as well. So it just feels like I've, I've got to, I've got to get back in form or get my eye into form as a cricket analogy. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, the more you do it, the more you understand your photo, uh, your camera. Um, and then like you're using resources like YouTube is, is, is amazing. There's so yeah. much out there you can learn and, uh, if you if you've got the time and it's something you really want to do, then you've got the world at your fingertips, literally. Yeah, that is true. There's so much stuff on YouTube. We've done a couple of paid mini masterclasses with Tal Lemons and Ren McGann. Ren McGann based in WA and Tal here on the Surf Coast. I'm sure you've heard of. And yeah, yeah we gave yeah, it, it, yeah, we did have a an admission price as a way to monetize the podcast. But as you say, there's so much free stuff on YouTube. It's just a matter of putting it all together, I guess. Yeah, and look, it, it, depending on your style and how much you want to put into it, like there's a guy, um, there's a guy, and I know you often ask about who inspires you and that later in, in your shows, but there's a guy named Adam Williams. Um, yeah. He's a New South Wales photographer and he he does Photoshop courses uh, called Easy yeah. Way Photography. He's, he, for me, it's those type of people that inspire me that want to teach others. Um, yeah. And and a lot of what I know in Photoshop is due to him. And it's it's not because, well, he is a whiz at the whole program. He's a certified yeah. whiz, I think, of it. So, but he starts for the dumbest person out there, basically, which was once upon a time me. And and you don't feel overwhelmed that way. So you, you start it. Because, look, I've got plans to sort of do, uh, if we do go on this trip for... Uh, 2023 around Australia I want to do a bit of a, a YouTube thing as well and and start doing the video editing and what I see often is there's a level of assumption in videos when people are trying to teach you something um, which is not always the case like for me on that trip four-wheel driving is not something I know a lot about so yeah I want to I want to try and teach people the basics of everything that I'm out there doing as well I don't want it to consume yeah. my holiday or anything but I want to be able to um, tell people a little bit about things that, that people just assume that you know. And it's the same with photography yeah. and Photoshop or editing or, or whatever. People assume that people know a little bit when that's not always the case. And I reckon yeah. Adam does it really well. He just focuses on a certain part of Photoshop that you can do really, really well and, and change your photos from being sevens to tens. Yeah, um, yeah I just uh, I thought I'd give him a shout out because he's, he's sort of changed the way I look at things. Yeah, he's brilliant, Adam. I've done two of his courses. Um, he I've focuses been. a lot on Photoshop. Yeah, the beginners are essential and something else. And yeah, just to learn Photoshop that way, you know, you could kind of go through it at your own pace. And videos are about 10 to 15 minutes long each module. It was perfect. Yeah. I did it over yeah. Christmas holidays about two years ago. So it was yeah, a lot of fun. He is great. He's, he's, um, I still use his techniques and, and, his little his little pockets of Photoshop that that he taught through those programs, I still use all the time in my editing. I was gonna say he's pretty heavy on Photoshop, so like in comparison to doing a wedding and having a gallery of say fifty images, Adam will focus on one image and make that a marquee image. How do you cope with that? Like I gather you can't be as detailed as as Adam for for galleries and even shots that, on the coast. Exactly right. Like uh, I think your computer would die pretty quickly if you were putting anything <laughs> in there. And I think from a time point of view, you'd still be editing one wedding three years later. So um, no, so from a wedding point of view, like an average wedding, I would bring home 2000 photos. Um, and to put them straight in the Lightroom is just so hungry on the computer. So um, was it, is it Ren? Um, Ren McGowan, is that? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he spoke about a program called Photo Mechanic and I use that as well. It's, it's, um, it deals with big galleries like that. So you can chuck them in there. They give a really well detailed uh, preview of the image and you can go through, say your 2000 in my example and, and um, cull really quickly. And it's usually your first instinct. So I won't spend any more than a second on a photo and I'm just going saying, yes, no, yes, yes, no. 
And all of a sudden I've knocked 25% of my photos on the head that never see the light of day, then I'll keep them in case there's um, something special that the bridal groom will want that I haven't um, submitted in the, the final gallery. But it's just a, a quick way to get down. And it's the same if I go out shooting surf photography or something that's got a bit more action and I'm using a fast shutter speed where I'm taking five or six photos every second, um, the number of photos that I'm taking is a lot. So I'll use that same program to put them through to say, well, no, I don't want that. I've missed the focus or that one's not quite as good as that one. So All right. it'll never see Lightroom. It'll never see Photoshop. Um, yeah. It just gets knocked on the head in that first photo mechanic. Mechanics only a couple hundred bucks as a, as a program. Yeah. And it's, it's not a subscription like a lot of programs are now. So, Well, that's yeah. very handy. So it's automatic program just to knock out blurry photos and you just put in filters, I gather, and it just knocks them out automatically. Yep, I'm just hitting one or zero. Uh, I've got one and two and zero. So it's basically like a traffic light system. Red is um, no go, don't want to see it. Uh, orange is maybe and green is definite. So cool. look, I'll, I'll still cull from 1500 photos down to a thousand or whatever for the final gallery. But it just, those that, that next cull happens in light, Lightroom when I've got a, a bit more time to look over them. Yeah, yeah cool. That's a good time saver. We, we talk about apps later on, but that might be it. Photo mechanics. So especially yeah, if you're shooting weddings, handy. family portraits, surf, as you said. Uh, our very next handy. question centers on when you decided to go full-time as a creative, but as you just said before, you full-time accountant, got 32 weddings coming in the upcoming season, which is about what, September to February, is it? October to February? Uh, April. April is probably when, when they start sort of dying off again. Yeah. So it's pretty long. Like, September, September to April now is pretty, pretty normal. Um, yeah, usually yeah. after season is, is a pretty, pretty good time to start. But um, yeah, a lot of my weddings are March, April next year. Yeah, cool. And on the back of that, you know, given the workflow and it seems pretty consistent and obviously in demand as a photographer with 32, I mean, some people starting out as a wedding photographer would kill for even three weddings in a season. So pretty awesome figures. but. Have you got any intentions to go full-time someday? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not something I want to do tomorrow. I, I keep talking about this trip. I want to get through this trip, which is not, not a burden or anything like that. I don't want it to sound like a burden. It's, it's something I've been looking and planning for every day for the last probably 18 months. And um, But it's probably not great timing from building my uh, my wedding bookings because all of a sudden I'm going to be saying, or I already am saying no to some couples that are, trying to book in 2023. But yeah, once it sort of comes back from that, COVID's probably scared me a little bit because uh, in the wedding industry, like at the moment, we can't have weddings. So um, it's sort of, it was like a wake up call at the right time for me because I, I would just sort of hate to think um, where I might've been if I had been a few years ahead of where I currently am. So, um, and I, you sort of, you hear stories and you, you know of people and that are in that situation and it's, it's heartbreaking because um, for me, I've still got that full-time job that I can rely on. And yeah. I think there will always be that element where uh, I would like to call photography my full-time role and yeah. accounting my part-time role, uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah, but I'm still a few years away from that. And look, in, in a way, I sort of think about it sometimes and I think about it a lot. I'm just a curious person. I think it's just, it's just, <laughs> um, it's just anything that, that, that I just want to understand how things work. Um, but yeah, I sort of think like if I didn't have my canning gig, would I go at things harder in my photography business? Because that is what butters my bread at the end of the night. Um, am I holding myself back by continuing to do that and just sort of doing things at baby steps? But, um, yeah, yeah look with the family and everything like that, it's probably the safe option at the moment and, and one that I'm super grateful for. So, yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, funny hearing you know some of our guests who are young and single and they can go at it a bit harder in terms of full-time or part-time but you've got those family considerations you've got two two mouths to feed three mouths to feed basically so yeah there's those considerations so I guess for you it becomes more of a, a long-term planning thing a bit more of a strategic thing yeah and and, and the, like with weddings because like I keep talking about weddings but landscapes um as well they're I can do them of a weekend and I know it's my, it's my personal time and, and that's supposed to be the time you rejuvenate and all that sort of thing, but I can do them of a weekend. 
I can do landscapes for sunrise and sunsets before and after work. So I can dip my toe in the water pretty heavily without it affecting my nine to five job. So it, it sort of, it allows you to build that, that business really well because I don't do a lot of commercial shoots. I have done them in the past and, and it's a little bit more structured than what I'm used to. Um, I just like the, the, the natural side of a wedding and just things happening in the moment without it being too set up. Uh, and it's the same with landscapes. Like you're out there chasing the elements and you don't know what's going to be um, until you're out there half the time. So yeah, that I is enjoy true. That, that spontaneity and can't even say the word, that spontaneous uh, side of things. Yeah, it's something you came across on Craig Crossway's podcast as well, just getting out there consistently and doing it and showing up day after day. Romy Roach as well, another surf yeah, like photographer. Even, half the time I'll go out there and, and it, you sort of remember the reasons why you're out there in the first place. And to me, that was just getting out and having that me time. And I won't even yeah. get my gear out half the time. I'll just enjoy where I am. Uh, when that might be Torquay Surf Beach, it might be, standing on the 12 apostles on a freezing cold morning. And um, I think as soon as I lose that, and sometimes I do, sometimes I go out and I've, I've lived the whole sunrise through the back of my camera and I get back in my car and I'm like, what am I doing? Like it's, um, yeah, I might sell an image of that, but I didn't even enjoy the sunset for what yeah. it was. I thought it was. Uh, so I'm really conscious of that. And um, yeah, being out of the elements to see the sunrise is, is one of the best things you could do, I think. Yeah, we kind of forget to be in the moment sometimes, especially as as a photographer. And because you get so dialed into your gear and you know what your shutter speed and your, your aperture and other things. And just on that subject, we covered some software there, photo mechanic. But what's your what's your gear set up just for photographers that are tuning in? Yeah, so I've I jumped from Sony, I jumped from Canon to Sony uh, at the start of last year. So I run the A7 threes. I've got two of them Very now nice. for my wedding. And they're, they're great. They seem like they're ahead of their time. They haven't actually bought out a, uh, a direct um, next model up type thing. And they've been out for four years or something now. So, um, but they, they, when they were introduced, Canon was sort of lagging behind in the mirrorless world. And mirrorless just means that the sensor isn't there. So you can get a lot, uh, you can get the same results for a full frame camera in a lot smaller package, uh, lighter and everything like that. So, um, it's just a great piece of kit uh, and especially for weddings because of the, the eye tracking and that. So um, I've still got my old Canons and that sitting in the cupboard, but they never really see the light of day. They go they go to every wedding with me just in case something happens. Yeah, plan B. Yeah, it gets back to just trusting your gear and, and making yeah. sure you've got um, plan B, as you say. But um, yeah, so I run that and it's probably a bit unusual from a, a landscape photographer's point of view, but my lenses are all primes now, apart from the 150 to 600 mil, which is my super long telegraphic um, Sigma lens. But yeah. all my other lenses are prime that I'll use in both landscape and in uh, in weddings. So I don't have any zoom lenses apart from the, the big telescopic one. That's interesting. And what's your go-to prime? Uh, probably the 55. I, 55? I'm not, not, yeah, it's just, it's a 55 Sony Zeiss. I'm not I'm not huge in the um, uh, wide angle. Like I, I don't mind it, but I just feel like uh, seeing things zoomed in that little bit that further with a 55 or uh, 85. Um, you just get you change your perspective. So and it's not as common to see that. You sort of the, the greater your focal length, and when I talk about focal length, I mean um, how wide the the lens will be looking. So will you see this wide landscape? The longer you go with your focal length is you're getting a more narrow view of the world. So, um, and when you do that, you're kind of compressing the image. So when you see a really big moon or a really big sun, that's mm. usually done through a, a longer lens, um, a yep. longer focal length. So I like doing that because you can bring things into perspective that you wouldn't see through a, a wide angle. Um, I still got a 24 millimeter Sony wide G master lens, um, but I don't think I'll use it anywhere near as much as what I did when I first started out with landscape photography. So, so even your landscape photography, you prefer that tighter focal length. So about 55 yeah. and beyond. Wow. I would have, I would have assumed 
big, wide, you know, wide screen, wide angle, 12 millimeters. No, it's a little bit like different. That. And it's the same, the same with Aperture. And I don't want to get too technical because it's not fully a photography podcast, no. <laughs> but um, the, the Aperture, I'll rarely go above F11. Oh, wow. uh, and when we talk, when I talk about it, Aperture, so Aperture, the lower the number, so if it's an F2, for instance, that means that you're going to have a really small focus. So mm. if I was focusing on the eyes, the ears behind you would almost be out of focus. And it's where you get that really blurry backgrounds and really dreamy sort of vibes. Um, I'll, I'll shoot landscapes uh, anywhere from F2 to F6-ish pretty regularly wow. um, and bump it up to F11 um, I probably wouldn't go any higher if I was really lazy and I wanted to get a little bit of slow motion and I'll go to F16 rather than busting out the, the filters and ND filters. But there's there's very few occasions that I go that high anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just the way I do things. And I yeah. really like the, 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 the focus to be on certain elements of the picture rather than the whole picture. Um, plus, I've got the, the drone that I use as well, which probably takes up half the photos I take. So um, that's the DJI Mavic Pro 2, oh, yeah. which again is a, a ridiculous piece of kit. It's it's probably the size of a dinner plate when it's fully extended. And the images you can get, uh, like I've got a picture just to the right of me at the moment, which is about a meter and a half by a meter um, wide. and it's just, it's crystal clear. You can see the surfer in it and it's just, it's, it's amazing. So, um, I think I saw that. Was that one on your Instagram? Uh, it was, it's just looking straight down. Off yeah. The sand pretty sure I saw that last night. Around. Doing a bit yeah, of research. So. It's good to see some of your drone shots coming through. Actually, I guess Jess, I'll pass it over to you to ask about challenges. Just go into a bit of what has been your biggest challenge as a photographer so far. Yeah, COVID's been, uh, as I said before, it's been a bit weird. From a business point of view, it's been okay. But from from uh, me getting out and about, it's certainly knocked that on the head a bit. I just, I, I don't feel like I enjoy it as much when I'm out there worrying about a mask and all that sort of thing as well. So I haven't been out getting out anywhere near as much as I'd like to. So, but really it, from photography, the biggest challenge is, is balancing it all for me with my kids um, and still finding time to not only have fun with them, but just do the, the mundane stuff of, of feeding them. So having breakfast on the table when they need it or want it, um, getting a full night's sleep and still wanting to get up and watch the sunrise uh, yeah. behind the camera. Um, well, yeah, just or dinner time at the moment is smack bang when the sun's setting. So it's hard because you sort of you can get away with one or two and then all of a sudden the, the wife's sort of pulling you back in line will saying, hang on you've got a couple of mouths here to feed and where's dad all the money to feed. so yeah because before you know it they're in bed and the hour or two that you get to see with them every night you don't get because you're out and about so yeah. i'm longing, longing for the longer days yeah and you never get that time back either so but you're giving me hope yeah. about to become a dad and have our first baby so i'm a little bit worried about saying goodbye to <laughs> surfing photography all my interests but you've given me hope that's your me time just say that's your me time (laughs) (laughs) mental health time uh as who inspires you we touched on it a little bit before but any individuals that inspire you in photography or in the business world uh no look i enjoy anyone out there that's a go-getter um like i said about adam williams and his his easy way photography before like just anyone that's teaching others uh, it's i find fascinating um i don't i don't i don't have that i'm not that historic person that loves ansel adams or anyone like that and 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 really knows uh anything about film photography or anyone that's a big part of the the photo world going back so look there's certain people on instagram that that i really like there's a guy called um uh george george hammond j-o-r-d hammond he's like he's got a million followers or something like that but his photography isn't based on um uh one element as such it's it's travel photography but it could be a city it could be uh a mountain it could be the ocean it could be a person that's that's kind of what i want mine to be as well i don't want it just to be seascapes or just to be waterfalls or i want to mix it with ever with whatever i'm wherever i am at the time so I really enjoyed looking at his work. 
It makes it more yeah. interesting from a, a photographer's perspective as well, doesn't it? Because you can go out and shoot waves all day long, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you come away with 150 sessions in the ocean and all you've got is wave imagery, it might be outstanding and beautiful and all the rest. But, yeah, there's just that diversity sometimes. Like, yeah, and, and maybe the, anal the analogy jack of all trades, master of none comes to mind, but um, <laughs> in, my, in my situation, but... <laughs> I don't know, like from a wave photographer's point of view, like a surf photographer, which I want to get into at some point, it's just that price point of buying a $2,000 piece of kit. Do they then drive past uh, an awesome mountain and still have that photographic sense where they want to take photos of it? Mm. I don't know. Um, because for me, like if I see a bird on a post, I want to take a photo of that. If I see a, a car that's got a beautiful colour against a backdrop, I want to take a photo of that. If I'm in the city, I want to take a photo of that. It's sort of... It's whatever um, tickles the eyes, if that even makes sense. I don't know. But yeah. I've always wondered about that with the guys like Chris Burkhart in North America, based in California. I've read a lot about, watched a lot about his story. And yeah, he actually started out shooting products for Microsoft. And I was going, wow, Chris Burkhart used to shoot for Microsoft. Like, it's just crazy yeah. to think that, given the quality yeah, of his yeah. landscape photography. Yeah. Like, uh, like he's. he's uh, look, I love his photography and it, it's, it's amazing, but he, his life in general is inspiring. Like he, yeah. what he does and uh, like he, he's cycling expeditions across Iceland in the middle of winter. And, oh, um, crazy. So I'm riding around Yosemite the other day on a 40-something degree day. And yeah, yeah he just, he, he, yeah, an amazing life, which which he's worked hard for. Like these Absolutely, things don't just yeah. people. Um, he's worked hard to get to that and he deserves every bit of it. But yeah, it's, you can you can just dream sometimes of, of what he's doing. Yeah, I know he interned at uh, a big photographer's shop for about a year, didn't get paid, and just kind of kept at it and at it and at it. I mean, to keep showing up for a whole year and not get paid. I'm sure he got paid a little bit with gear and prints and stuff, but yeah, it was definitely didn't get it easy. The more you look yeah. into his story, but Ash, uh, it's been awesome to chat with you. I know we're getting up towards an hour. I just had one more. I guess, techie question, just for beginner photographers or young creatives that want to get into photography and use it as part of their social media branding, things like that, what would you recommend as like an entry-level body and lens and without mortgaging the house? <laughs> it's, it's an easy one to do sometimes in, in this, uh, this hobby or, or this profession because it's so expensive. Um, yeah. Look, if you can get your hands on a full frame, even if it's, even if it's a DLSR, DLSR instead of the mirrorless, I think it's a great place to start. You can sort of pick them up. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't follow, but probably for a thousand, thousand dollars for the, the real entry level ones. But then get a, a good zoom lens as well. Um, no matter really what your kit is, it's just about using it really. So yeah. just understanding what the, the the different the different controls do. So go out there and shoot, and shoot with a, a fast shutter speed compared to a slow shutter speed, and understand what that does with the light because it's. It's all about understanding light in photography. Um, that's that's really what it comes down to, and what makes a good photo. So, um, and I, look, I'm still learning how to do that myself. But yeah, understand that. Understand what the the aperture does with focus, like what you can focus on, what a a smaller number aperture will do compared to a higher number aperture, and then things like your ISO and bringing more light into. But if you're bringing more light in, makes it grainier. Yeah, I could go on all day, but it's just it's just going out there and, and testing and understanding what each of them will do. So when you're at situation next, you're like, oh, well, that, that setup worked really well for what I'm about to shoot here. So um, have a bit of a plan with what you want to do, but don't sort of stick to it. Look, I, I, as I said before, I could probably talk all day, but things like tripods and that I find are really great. Yeah. But at the same time, I find a tripod can be a bit of a, um, a bit of a restriction at times because People set up and they get their tripod in this one spot and that's yeah. where they'll stay with their tripod. They won't move around. So yeah. for me, um, I've got two cameras, so I can sort of set one up and then walk around with my other camera. But I would suggest walking around, trying out different framing and different different shots to see how that works because things move pretty quickly in, in the landscape world. So And that way you're not as restricted to just having this tripod and making sure it's balanced and everything. You can do that all in your hand. So obviously a tripod works when when you need a slow shutter and you need it to be steady and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah. just get out there, just practice. Practice your editing if that's what you want to do as well. Editing is such a big part of what 
photographers use as well and sometimes yeah. it's a bit frowned upon but i would say it's just as important as taking the actual shot in a lot of cases yeah. so well, we go to the gym to you know exercise the muscles and all, all the rest don't they and they take time to build it's the same as photography consistently showing up and just not being afraid it. to push the dials so yeah. i think awesome advice ash uh where can we keep going to where can we go to keep following your story i should say yeah, so ashusphotos.com is my website and that's sort of got my wedding info and family photo portraits and, and landscapes if you wanted to buy anything as well. But then there's Ashus photos on my socials and Ashus weddings for all my wedding stuff. I keep them separate, um, sort of cross-promote a little bit because I've got a bigger audience on my, my landscapes and you yeah. never know who's out there yeah. getting married. So, yeah. It sounds like you've booked out for the season ahead, so... Oh, I've still got a few, still got a few, um, uh, <laughs> few weekends free. So a half we'll days go. in there somewhere. No, I, I've got, I've got quite a few actually. It's, it sounds like a lot, but when you, when you sort of put a Friday and Saturday wedding together, it frees up a few more, which is you never really know who's, uh, who's needing a date or who needs postponed weddings with all them happening at the moment. So yeah, yeah, that is true. And I can't wait to see some footage of the twenty twenty road trip as well. 2023? 2023, what we, I should say. We just need to buy a car, which, buy a car and a caravan. So I'm still a little <laughs> bit away from that. But um, you're going to have some serious nice. gear by the time you do that. Yeah. Well, I feel like I want to be set up as much as possible. The, the last thing I want is that that water housing for my um, for my gear. So saving up the pennies, but uh, forking out for a new caravan and car probably a bit more important. Otherwise, we won't be going anywhere. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just where can we go to uh, all things surf coast creatives as well just before we wrap up uh, so you can head across to the website surfcoastcreatives.com or find us on facebook and instagram surf coast creatives all one word and you can check out other guests that have come on that podcast yeah we'll have to get you into our facebook group as well ash i don't know if you're already there but people might have some follow-up questions after the podcast so we'll send That's you a great. link an invite but otherwise yeah surfcoastcreatives.com for the website and subscribe to our email list but ash awesome to chat with you such a big story i can't believe you started photography four years ago it's just crazy a lot of people will just I'm be going out like <laughs> especially from zero to twelve thousand followers that's only uh, a small snippet of your story the quality of your ph photography and your hard work during the day as an accountant and now a dad as well to two kids we congratulate you on all your progress today thanks thanks so much guys it's been a pleasure and uh yeah i hope it, i hope it's been interesting and helpful and haven't been too confusing with all the techie talk but um i <laughs> uh, love love what you're doing from your end as well it's been been fascinating uh, thank you we've got a lot of passionate photographer listeners so i'm sure they would have really appreciated it but yeah thanks again for your time today ash and wish you all the best for the rest of 2021 cheers guys thank you you too